All right. So where were we last week? You guys remember? Because please help me. I don't. I'm just kidding. Um, all right. First Peter 2. I'm going to give a little bit of review for you guys here. So verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you were not received, or excuse me, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. All right. So he says we're a chosen people. So he says you're a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people of his own possession. So that means he's called us. A, when you talk to people who go into the ministry, what do they feel like? I feel like God, what? Called me to the ministry. You, especially in... Um, when you get into like the priesthood, they feel like they were called into the priesthood. And that was what it was in the Old Testament times. They were called. They, if they were a certain age or a certain this, and they were called into it. It wasn't, people don't understand that. They think, oh, well, God called them. No, what would happen is a rabbi would go out and he would call them. Not on the telephone. They didn't have those then. Um, there's, a, there's a joke for you. There we go. Um, but what would happen is a rabbi would go around and he would find young men and say, okay, he's looking for people. And he would say, follow me. That's why when Jesus said to his, his disciples, follow me, he wasn't just saying that as a random thing. That was a rabbi calling his followers. That was a master calling his followers. So when they said, I was called, that meant someone walked up to them, a rabbi walked up and said, follow me. And that's why Jesus, when he's explaining why he said, follow me, and they're like, well, I've got to do this and I've got to do this. He says, no, I called you. It, it would be like someone calling you today and saying, hey, I need you to come with me. We're going on a trip to this. We're going to go do this. And so when Jesus was saying that to them, he's like, follow me. This was the master calling his followers. And what's really cool about that, um, that um, description there is, Jesus was calling people that were not going to be called by regular rabbis. Jesus was calling the outcasts and the people who weren't able to make it to, to that point. So Jesus didn't look for people who were well-knowledged. Because if you look at his disciples, they were a hot mess of people. And so Jesus was looking for it, but he called us. First Peter 2 says he's called us, a holy nation, his possession, that you may proclaim his excellencies. So when he calls us, he, there's, a, there's a responsibility to that calling. There's not just, oh, he called me. So like, if I just call you on the phone and say, hey, what you doing? There's no responsibility to that, co- to that, that, that question. But when I, if Jesus comes up to you and says, hey, follow me, or will you follow me? There, there's a lot of responsibility that's, that's entailed with that response or that, or that action behind that. So he chose us even before he laid the foundations of the earth. How awesome is that, that, he, that before he literally formed everything else, he, he chose us. He had a plan and a purpose for you before you were even born, before your parents were born, 2,000, 3,000 years ago, before anybody even knew that this was going to be what this was going to be. He called you before that. And so we look at him and he called us that because he, he loved us enough that he demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet in sin, while we were yet in darkness, he called us out of darkness into light, sent his son to call us into the light. What I love about Psalms 103.12, and, and this is David, 
He says, you see, God, you take all of our crimes, all of our seemingly exhaustible sins, and you remove them as far as the east is from the west. He's talking about forgiveness. That was a, that was a, a weird concept for um, Old Testament believers. David understood, and you look throughout the Old Testament, and there are Old Testament people who had a revelation of who God was in the New Testament. David was one of them. He understood the grace of God. He understood the forgiveness of God. He understood that God removes sins. So when God calls us, there's a call to be different, though, too. There's a call. It says we're, we're saved, we're redeemed, we're set free. We're called to be different if we're all of that. We're not, set, we're not saved, we're not set free, and we're not redeemed to go living the life that we used to live. We have a life that we were called to live, and at this point when we are saved, redeemed, and set free, we have a freedom to walk in that. But before we were saved, we didn't have that freedom. We didn't know how to do it. We didn't know where to, to go to, to start that walk. But he forgave us, and he calls us to be different. Paul says, I urge you to, to cast off the form or cast off the ways of the world. Stay separate from it. As we were talking last week, he, he, it talks about don't be fit into the mold that the, that the world says that you should be in. The mold says that you should be, this is what truth is. And there is no absolute truth. There is no absolute this. Everything is fluid. Everything can, can go this way and go this way. And th- it, that's not true. The Word of God says that there is, there is black and white, there is wrong and right, there is evil, and there is good. And it talks about, in the beginning of the book, it says God created what? Heavens and the earth. There's two separate things. And then he created man and what? Woman. So those are two separate things. Two unique things, two separate things. But God created those as this and that. That and this. There is no float through everything. It just didn't work that way. He called us to be different, and, he, said, and, and um, he says, conduct yourselves among the Gentiles honorably, so that when they speak against you, they may see your good deeds and see the goodness of God. That they'll have nothing, to, they'll be like, oh, I can't stand those pers- these people, this person's horrible, but when they see your good deeds, they're gonna be, when other people see your good deeds, they're going to be like, I don't know why you keep saying this, because every time I st- that per- this person talks about you, I see your actions and I see your works and I see th- this and I see God through you. So why does that make, s- that doesn't make sense to me. Romans 12, 2, the Passion Translation says this, stop imitating the ideas and the opinions and the culture around you. Be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit. A total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live in, his, in a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. So God calls us to be different. And if we're called to be different, then it means we have to act different. We have to think differently. We have to have the mind of Christ. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So that thought that comes into your head or that, that, that idea that comes into your head and it doesn't line up with Scripture, you put it in captivity until it submits to Christ and it says, you know what? No, I'm going to change my mind. This is how I'm going to be. This is how I'm going to live. This is how I'm going to act. This is how I'm going to think. This is how I'm going to speak. You don't just like, oh, well, I'm just going to say this because I want to say this. 
He's saying that you take that thought, well, I really want to tell them what's for and who's who. You take that thought until it says, no, I'm going to speak in love. I'm going to speak truth in love. And and it's going to stay there until it obeys what Christ's word says. So he calls us to be different. And we read in in 1 Peter 2, I'm going to skip down to verse 13 here. So, um, if you love this, uh, what's the heading above that say? Peter 2.13, what's the, what's the heading above that say? Submission to authority. That's a tough one, especially in the culture we live in right now. We've, I was talking with some people and they were, and I was communicating some ideas back and forth with them, and they were like, you know what, we live like we, he, he was, um, teens and 20s live the same way we did in the 60s and 70s. The, I said, no, the, no, you don't. And they said, there's the same mentality in uh, late teens and early 20s right now, and even in the early 30s, that the mentality of the 60s and the early 70s had. And I said, and they were explaining it back and forth, and I didn't, at first I wasn't understanding it, but they're like, it is the same mentality of there is nothing that if I don't like it, I can get rid of it. If I don't like this person, I can move on to the next person. They, they've, they've lost, in that age, they lost um, something about what God had planned for them. And in this age, they're, they're starting to do the same thing. And we're starting to see people like, well, I don't have to be this kind of person. I can be this person because I just want to be this person. I can be this instead of this, even though God has made me this. And I was talking back and forth, and it was a huge conversation, but it was really eye-opening because it gave me uh, an insight to a person who's got some years on me seeing the culture and, and coming from that culture and being able to look at that both cultures and say, they're very similar, it's just different times, different things, but they're very, flu- they're very uh, fluid back and forth with each other. Um, so, Verse 13, be subject to the Lord's sake for every human institution, whether it be an emperor as a supreme or the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom to cover up for evil, but living as servants. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. It's pretty direct. And uh, there's a little cliff note, and it says um, at the bottom, and it says, um, and it says, be subject to the Lord, for the Lord's sake to have every human institution. It says, every authority instituted by man. Now, you say this to someone outside of these walls sometimes, and they're like, well, that's not my leader. And whether we agree or we disagree, God has said, you know what, this person, whether you agree with them or not agree with them, if they are in authority of position, they are placed there for a reason. And what happens is, is people are like, well, that's, that's, I don't have to obey them because I don't agree with them. And when this letter is being written, Nero is emperor of Rome. We're talking about the guy who dipped Christians in tar and lit them on fire to light the way for his roads 
when they wanted to see at night. But Peter is writing this to the people and he's saying, even though he's doing this, you still come under submission because he is the leader. You may not agree with it. You may not like him. You may not like his tactics, what he says, what he does, that he persecutes you, but he is still your leader. And I was taught at a young age by this older gentleman. He's probably in his late 70s. He's what you do. He goes, whether you like it or not, you stay low in the saddle, middle of the pack. That's how you follow a leader you don't agree with. Because sometimes you don't agree with them, but if you stay up to the front or you stay in the back, you will see that your words and your actions will be seen. So if you don't like something, you can express it, but you don't mock, taunt, and and put down the leaders you have. Do we, I, I agree with every president we've had and everything that they've done. Absolutely not. But I understand that God has put them in that institution and that place for a reason and a purpose, whether it's to progress things of God or for it to go away so Christians rise up and say, hey, this is not right. We need to stand up for this. So there's a purpose to both a good leader and a bad leader. But it says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, and honor the emperor. He doesn't say, honor the emperor, and then he says, goes on. He, the last thing he says is this, is, yes, he is persecuting you, but you honor the emperor. Honor is not a, it, it, honor in our culture is, is a, is a, an old thing that old people used to do back in the 20s and they used to honor their parents. And, and honor is not this. Honor is not just because they're in leadership, you do whatever, you do whatever they say. Honor is not, you don't have to agree with them. You don't have to like everything they do, but it's acknowledging the mantle that God has put on them and being obedient to them. Now, if they are asking you to sin, that's a different story. But when people are like, well, I'm just, I'm not going to listen to them because I don't agree with them. God has put them there. There's a lot of things that I've had bosses in the past that I don't agree with, but I do what they say because, excuse me, God has put me in that position of, of subjection to them as a leader. And there's a lot of times where it'd be like, ah, oh, I don't want to do this. I got to do this. I don't agree with it. But it wasn't sin. It was something that in a personal opinion of mine I didn't agree with. But I still did it because I was required to do it because I put myself into that role. Yes, I was getting a paycheck for it, but I still had to subject myself and say, yeah, I'm going to do it because you're asking me to do it because he was my leader. It wasn't just like, well, I don't really want to do this. If I met him on the street and he goes, I really want you to do it this way and he wasn't my boss, I'd be like, what are you talking about? But that's how people act these days with leadership. Well, they're just not my leader. Well, God has placed them in a position. If they came up to you on the street and you didn't know who they were and they say, oh, I need you to go do this for me, you'd be like, I don't know who you are. But when they're in a, in a office and in a, in a uh, place where it's, they're recognized as a leader, it's like, okay, yes, I have to follow the rule of the, of the land. It says, just because the Bible says, thou shalt not murder and someone else is okay with it doesn't mean it's right. And so there's rules and laws set up in our, in our country and in our states and in our, uh, our cities that are there to protect us. They may not be out of the Bible. Well, I don't see that in the Bible where it says that I shall not park with and not put money in the meter. That's not a sin. <laughs> that, that's, that's the mentality. 
No, they didn't have meters back then, but God and, and Peter and Paul, they, they say, honor the authorities. So the authorities are the police. And guess what? You don't put money in the meter. You get one of these things and you have to fill it out and you have to send money in or you have to go and take money back. And if you're in a city that's really far away, it really sucks because sometimes you have to go there and pay it. So he's saying there's consequences to your disobedience. There's consequences to not honoring what the rules and the laws that have been placed in our land have. See, what happens is Christians go back to the Bible and say, well, I don't see that exact thing in there, so I'm not going to do it. I think in the last part of 17 it says, honor the emperor. And if he is, if he is over everything, that means he's over the, the stupid parking meter. Pay for it because, you know what, well, I don't agree with it. I don't care if you'd agree with it or not. There's a lot of things my kids don't agree with, and they still do because they're part of the family. We may not agree with our leadership. We may not agree with what, ha- what they say, what they do, but we follow them because that's who God has placed us in. And, and, and there's so, it's so weird in Christians today, we have this rebellious spirit that, well, I'm not going to follow them because I, I follow God only. Well, I don't know. Have you read anything in here? Like, I'm come, like come on, wake up. I mean, to, like every three pages, it's like honor your leaders uh, and, and uh, be subjection, subjected to them. And I don't understand that. It's like, well, I only follow God. Well, no, you don't because you're not listening to him. When you don't, when you don't honor the leaders in your life, whether you know them personally or they're over your country or your city or whatever, you're not honoring God. Well, I honor God. No, you don't. Because that, that little part is what helps make honor to God better. You guys still with me? Yeah. Touched any nerves here yet? All right. So honor is, the, is not agreeing, but acknowledging the position and the mantle that God has placed on that person and being obedient to them. Acts 5.29 says, But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than man. And I love this scripture because when you read it out loud, it's like, I don't have to do whatever anybody else tells me but God. And this is the argument I get when I talk to people about this, when it says, honor the emperor. Well, Acts says, Peter said this before this, that I don't have to obey anybody but God. It, wrong. When you read this scripture in a different translation, because most people read it in the NIV, nearly inspired version, and they, they, they take, well, God doesn't say I have to obey anybody. Just, uh, just God. I don't have to obey man. But when you read it in about four to five other translations, it says this, we must listen and obey God more than pleasing religious leaders is what the, the, the original translation said. But some of the other translations say, well, we got to obey God more than man. He wasn't talking about his, our governmental authorities. He's talking about, you know, are we willing to please religious leaders? Are we real, willing to please God? So I'm going to read to you verse 13 through, um, or excuse me, Romans 13 uh, through verse 7 um, in the Passion Translation. And this is Paul. And, and we're, we got to think of this. This is Paul. He's talking to the people in Rome. This is one of the most highly persecuted churches in Bible times. 
I mean, th- this is the church in the Roman capital of the people uh, who are persecuting Christians throughout the world, and this is their church. And he says this, every person must submit to and support the authorities over him. There, there can be, for there can be no authority in the universe except by God's appointment, which means that every authority that exists has been instituted by God. Let me read that again. That which means every authority that exists has been instituted by God. So to resist authority is to resist the divine order of God, which results in severe consequences, both in the natural and in the spiritual. For civil authorities don't, don't intimidate those who are doing good, but those who are doing evil. Let me, let me phrase it in today. Um, for police don't intimidate those who are doing good, but those who are doing evil. So do what is right and you'll never need to fear those in authority. They will commend you for your good citizenship. Those in authority are God's servants for a good, the good of society. But if you break the law, you have a reason to be alarmed for they are God's agent of punishment to bring criminals to justice. Why do you think they carry weapons? You are compelled to obey them not just to, to avoid punishment, but because you want to live with a clean conscience. This is also the reason you pay your taxes. For governmental authorities are God's officials who oversee these things. So it is your duty to pay all taxes and fees that are required and to respect those who are worthy of respect, honoring them accordingly. He doesn't put respect and honor in the same phrase. He says you will respect those who deserve respect and honoring them accordingly. You may not respect them, but you give them honor. So, Titus 3, verse 1. And this is kind of a sum up of, of everything. It says, Remind people to be respectful to their government authorities and leaders on every level as law-abiding citizens and to be ready to fulfill their civic duty. This is not a challenge for you guys to go out and volunteer in, in civic things. Yes, be part of that. What I'm saying is, is this. Is respect and honor are different. When we, in our culture today, is if I don't like a leader, I'm going to throw a hissy fit on the ground. I'm going to wrap myself in bubble wrap and you can roll me into my closet and I'll be okay. But honor is this, is yes, I understand the position. I understand the, what, what, we, what most people don't understand is, oh, I don't agree with them and, and I, I, I speak against them, but they don't understand the mantle and the weight uh, and heaviness on that leader as a person in a leadership position. They don't understand what, what um, governors and, and um, presidents and, and Congress people go through with the weight of millions of people on their shoulders. You, you watch a president, he'll come in all smiling. The fir- the, you know, that first, his inauguration, he's smiling and his hair looks great. And at the end of four years, he's got this gray stripe down the back and he walks a little lower because there's a weight that comes on with leadership. And when we respect them, that's great. We want to respect them. But honor is a, is a different thing and we need to honor them even if we don't agree with them. Because honor will bring honor to you. Honor is reciprocal, and what we don't, we don't think is, I had a leader once tell me, well, you, you, we just need to teach those kids to honor us. 
and be respectful. And I said to, I said to him, and I said, well, first of all, honor and respect are completely different. And, and the leader looked at me like a monkey doing a math problem. And I was like, like I had spoke something completely, like, do you need me to interpretate tongues for you? Or because they didn't understand the difference between honor and respect. I, and I said, to, I said to this person, I said, respect is earned, honor is given. And I was like, they, they, they still looked at me like I was speaking in, in another tongue. And, uh, and I was like, I can sign. No, I couldn't sign. <laughs> but um, so we, we, we give respect, or excuse me, we respect people because they give us respect back, but we honor people because honor is something that we're called to do. God doesn't say respect, he says honor. When you honor people, respect will come out of it. And, and there's, there's people I don't respect, but I still honor them because they're in a position that I have to honor them. I may not agree with them, but I honor them because I know that the, the, the leadership that they're in, the position that they're in, the weight that is on them, I, I understand that. And it's like, okay, I don't agree with you, but I understand the, the, the amount of responsibility you have and the, the weight that is on your shoulders and in your head and everything that is in your hands on a daily basis, and I give you honor because of that. So, Titus basically says, remind people to respect their governmental leaders, be law-abiding citizens, and fulfill their civic duty. He's just saying, be a responsible citizen. God has put these people in our lives not to harm us, not to cause us pain, but to, to help us, to protect us, and to give us a place to live that is safe. But then, then he goes on. And he goes on to submission of, uh, in the submission of authority, he goes on in verse, uh, let's find it here real quick, sorry, lost it. Verse 17 says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants be subjective to your masters. Okay, so we'll get into that in a moment, but the, with the authority thing. I want to go, I'm going to kind of trace back into this a little bit, but we're talk, we talked about government authorities. But God, it, it also, if you look in there, he talks about spiritual authority. Spiritual authority was put into place to lead and guide a spiritual walk. Uh, speak truth, impart wisdom, give guidance, give, speak the word of God into people's lives. And Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your spiritual leaders and recognize their authority. For they keep watch over your soul without resting, since they will have to give an account for the, to God for their work. So it will benefit you when you make their work a pleasure and not a heavy burden. So one of the, the Greek words in there, um, and I, I'm not even trying to pronounce that one because that's a new one for me, um, means that they stay awake through the night. How many of you guys have ever been... Um, just uh, upset about a situation or worried about a situation or someone's on your heart and you're just praying for them and, and you cannot rest. You're in bed, you're trying to sleep and it's just, you, they're on your heart and God's just you know, like, and you're just constantly praying for them or just 
talking to God about them. And that's what he's saying. He's saying these people will stay awake for countless hours because they are concerned and they have, they have uh, I don't want to say worry, but they're, they have a deep sense of, I want these people to be okay. So they, they spend time. And this, I'm not talking about this as, as a leader for me. I'm not talking about, okay, we need to um, be nice to me. I'm not talking about this. Take me out of the situation as a leader. I'm speaking to you as a person. It says they stay awake through the night because they're interceding. You know, think about this. As leaders and, and, and as parents, you guys know this. Your kid, you're worried about your kid. Anybody ever been there? Yeah, you're like, I don't know, God, you need to do something because I can't do it. And, um, and so you're up and you're praying for them. And, and you're just, and I, I'm, you'll be honest, you're worried. You, you're concerned. You're like, God, I don't know what, what to do with this because you're concerned about your child. And that's how spiritual leaders are. Because they're, they're, and I hate to use this word worried, but they have some worry in them. And, it, and it's not that, oh my gosh, all bad things are going to happen, but it, it's a, a general, generally deep, deep concern in saying, I want the, the best for these people. You know, they're pr- these leaders, they pray for you. They shepherd, they reach out, they, t- they spend time um, with, they, they visit, and they sow into you. And so, as we, we think about this, you know, think about the, your past spiritual leaders and the people who have led you spiritually and just, you know, be grateful for them. Be um, thankful for what they've spoken to your life and be thankful for what they've done to, for you. So, servants, be subjective to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the unjust. Anybody ever, ever had an unjust employer slash boss yeah okay you, whether you thought it was or not you just raise your hand it's okay um verse 19 says for this is the gracious thing when mindful of god one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly for what is it excuse me for what credit is it if when you sin are beaten for it if you endure but if when you do good and suffer for it you endure this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so what you might, excuse me, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were strained like sheep, and now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer. You know, I, I, I look at this scripture, and, you know, it, it talks about being subject to your masters. And this goes back to the authority thing. It goes right back to authority. This whole last, you know, 12 goes back to authority. It says, be a good, honorable worker. Don't go in and say, well, I'm here for this and this is what I expect out of this. Go in and say, what can I give? 
I, I don't go to I don't go to work every day. I used to when I was younger. Be, you know, everybody goes to that area in their life, but I don't go into work and say, "What can you give me today?" I know at the end of so much time, they give me something that I put in the bank and then my kids spend it. <laughs> I go in and say, "What can I make better? How can I how can I make this process work better? What can I tear? How can I tear this apart, build it back up, and make this better? How can I make this?" look better how can i make my department look better but so many people we go they go in and like how can you give me what i want today that's plain old selfishness and what happens is, is when selfish we we go in thinking selfish we're saying what well, what can you give me there's no difference between that and standing in line saying hey give me something god says be an honorable worker Peter's saying, honor, be an honorable worker because when you go in and say, how can I make this place better? How can, I, how can I make this place look better? How can I make my boss look better? How can I make my company look better? When we do that, honor is given to us. We may not see it right away, but honor will be given to us because they're going to start noticing you and they're going to say, well, you know what? I don't know about this guy, but um, I really like this guy. He works for you, but he's really good. And so when you work with the, the object of honoring your leaders, honoring your bosses, honoring your company, God gives that back to you and you will be noticed. But people go in and say, I want to be noticed. Look at me, look at me, look what I can do. This is what I can do. Give me credit, give me recognition. Why do we go into why, that mindset? We go into work as a four-year-old. Look at me, ooh, look what I can do. Look at me. I got this, I got this, I can do this. And when they don't, you th- we throw a temper tantrum. Well, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to say anything. I'm keep my ideas to myself. You get paid to give your ideas to your company. You get paid to do the best for your company. You don't get paid to come there and go, well, I'm just going to write them all down and burn them because I don't really care. Will you have ups and downs? Yes. But God says, if you're an honorable worker, your masters will honor you. Look at Joseph. He comes into Potiphar's house and his wife can't keep her clothes on and he has honor and says, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be part of this because I know this is wrong. He gets thrown in prison on a false accusation and he spends time in prison. But what does he do? He's honorable there. He doesn't sit in his cell and say, well, I'm just going to wait until they let me go because I was falsely accused and I am right. Kind of sounds like a four-year-old, doesn't it? But what he did is he said, you know, I'm going to be honorable in the situation I'm in. I'm going to work in the place I'm in and he's working in a prison. He is in prison working in the prison. He's not stamping out license plates, but he's, he's, he's doing something. And, and what happens is he becomes noticed in the prison because of his honor and of his hard work. And then they start coming to him because he's, he's able to interpret dreams. And, he, they, and they're like, man, he hasn't complained. Oh, don't get me wrong. He probably went to his little box of whatever he sat in at the end of the day and probably complained to himself, I can't stand this, God, you got to get me out of this. But he brought honor to the people that he was working and they noticed him because he was able to do something that wasn't done. It's the same way in our life. If you have honor and you continue to work, they're going to notice, hey, this person's really good at this. We should hire him for this or we should give him a promotion for this. But we sit there and we, well, I'm good and you need to look at me and you need to give me the best. 
Um, yeah, no. You know, I a couple years ago I, I managed and I, I would do interviews with people and, and they would come in and I was like, I would sit there, I did interviews. I'm like, okay, so what do, you, what do you think about this? And, you know, how would you do this? And I was just like, like one out of 50, and I only did like 30 interviews, I would hire. <laughs> because what was happening is, is they would come in and they would talk more about what they wanted instead of what they could do. I would say, okay, what, on this situation, because I'd give them scenarios, what can you do with this? Well, I would do this and I would do this. And it wasn't what they would do. It's, they, it's their opinion of what they wanted to do instead of asking, these are the things I need you to do. What would you do with this? And I was like, the selfishness that was involved in it, instead of saying, this is how I'll make the company better, it was like, well, I, don't, I like this and I like this and I like this. I'm like, no, don't talk about yourself. Talk about the company. Talk about what you can do to make the company better. Not, well, I literally like this. I asked the one guy one question, and he started talking about shoes at one point. I mean, I'm just like, where did we go on this? I mean, I almost said, who's doing the interview here? Is it me or you? And what happens is, is we get these people that come in, and they, they want to do it their way instead of what it is asked of them to do. And so Joseph, what did he do? He didn't, he didn't go to prison, sit in prison, and wait for somebody to come redeem him. He went to prison and worked in prison and didn't say, well, I'm going to do it this way. He didn't have that choice. So as, as workers, we have to think of ourselves as Joseph in prison and not, and I'm not, follow me through on this, you people who don't like your jobs. Um, <laughs> we have to think about it. It has to be their way and we follow what they have asked us to do, not our way. Because as we all know, and I've used this phrase a few times, this is an at-will work state, and we uh, do not want you to work here. And at will, we are not having you work here anymore. Um, so you have to look at it as I'm Joseph in prison, and I'm going to stay doing what I'm called to do, and I'm going to follow what they've asked me to, fo- to do. But we, we go in and we, tar- we try to do it our way. And God says honor doesn't do it our way. Honor says and respect says I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. Now, I'm going to do what I want to do. But we look at Jesus, and Jesus said the exact same thing. He's sitting in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's right before they they come and arrest him, and he says, God, Father, Abba, if this cup can pass from me, please let it pass from me. But it's not my will. It's your will be done on earth. So he, he's, he, Jesus is having a moment. He says, if, if, this, if this pain and this suffering, if this abandonment of, of you can pass from me and it can be given and taken somewhere else, I will gladly give it up. But it's, if you want me to do it, I am submitting myself to you. I, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. I'm, I'm making this up as I go here. I'm not saying what Jesus said. He says, but if you can't do this, I'm going to submit myself to your authority. I'm going to submit myself to your rule and your desire. And I'm going to honor that and I'm going to fulfill what you've asked me to honor. And then John 3.16. And I love this scripture, but I'm going to read verse 17 too because a lot of times we leave this out and, and I think this needs to be added. It says, 
For God expressed his love in the world this way. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not face everlasting destruction, but will have everlasting life. Here's the point. God didn't send his son into the world to judge it. Excuse me. He is here to rescue the world headed towards certain destruction. We read John 3.16, but I think we need to read 17 along with it because it puts emphasis on, the, on the, the past scripture and says, okay, now I understand why God sent his son. And then John 14.6 says this. It says, Jesus said to them, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes next to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know the Father too. Jesus said, People were like, well, are you the Messiah? Who, how do you know God? He goes, when you've seen God, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But Jesus didn't just come to deliver us from sin. You know, we, we spend so much time talking about just how he delivered us from our sin, but he didn't come to give us, just deliver us from our sin. He came to deliver us from ourselves. He came to deliver us so that we could live as citizens of heaven in a foreign land. And so as citizens of heaven living in a foreign land, what do we do? We honor our king, but we honor the, the area that we're in. We honor the country. And you don't go to a foreign country and just do whatever you want. If there's a law in America that allows you to do it and they don't do it in a foreign country, you can't say, well, I'm an American. I can do what I want. We've been, we've been so grounded since 1770-something, before that, to say a big to you because I am independent. That's what, we've been raised with that, so we've become so, you can't tell me what to do because I don't have to submit to authority. We say, oh, I can't, I'm not going to submit to authority because I'm independent. Well, God says if you're a kingdom of heaven, if you're a, kingdom, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, you are not independent. You are part of my kingdom. You are part of my people. You are my children. You will obey. So when Jesus came to save us, he didn't say, well, I'm just going to save you from your sin. I'm saving you from the life that you've led and the life that you will continue to lead unless you submit yourself to me. says if you want to see God you have to come to me Jesus says there's a door I knock and I wait at the door for you to answer but Jesus said there's a, a narrow path and there's a wide path and the wide path leads to destruction the narrow path leads to God so as as we 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 read this scripture we, we start to look back and, and honor is not something that is just a thing that we, well, if I like them, I'll honor them. No, God is saying that you honor the leaders that I have put in your place because I have anointed and appointed those leaders as your leaders because they are going to teach you how to be honorable to me. But first you have to honor them. If you cannot honor a, if you cannot honor a physical leader, how are you going to honor God? If we can't honor our leaders in our life, honor our bosses, yeah, we may not agree with everything, but 
if we cannot honor them, if we cannot submit to them, we'll never be able to submit to God. And if we cannot submit to God, our life will be constantly chaos. Well, I don't have to do this. You're not the boss of me. Every now and then, um, my kids will be like, hey, can you go do this for me? And I'm like, you're not my dad. You can't tell me what to do. And and they look at me like I'm, (laughs) but I joke with them, but why do we have that mentality? Well, you can't tell me what to do because you're not my leader. I don't agree with you, so you can't tell me what to do. And God says, honor them because I have told them this is what, this is the leadership that I've placed in your life. So as we do that, we go out this week and say, you know what, man, I may not agree with everything, but God has placed them there and I'm going to give them honor because God has put that authority into place and he has put that mantle on them. And they, I don't understand the mantle that they have and I don't understand the responsibility they have, but I'm going to honor them because they have been placed there. Let's pray.